Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I am joined by the fair-haired Will Murden. How is it going today? Really well, really well today. How are you, buddy? Good. How's that? As I look on your screen there, I see you switching hands on the uh, glass of claret in front of you. How is that one going down? It's terrible. It is, this is awful. It was bad when I first cracked it and that was probably a couple of months ago now and it's been sitting on the kitchen bench ever since and I have had enough of that so I'm going to make sure I put an end to it but it is not enjoyable. You know liquid goes down the sink okay as well. That's an option. There are starving kids in Africa so I'm going <laughs> to drink the rest of this red. I see there's obviously a strong correlation between those two things. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know. That was I just heard that saying as a kid growing up. Does it not apply there? Uh, possibly not. I feel like let's just not go down that route. Anyway, tonight we are talking all things SEC in uh, our preview season. This is the last one we're going to get to because the season is a mere eight days away from starting. And for the first time... Before I get too excited about the ACC, sorry, not the ACC, the SEC, uh, I'm all over the shop here tonight. We can see where your heart's at. Obviously, I, I mean, I was talking America's number one conference and then, you know, we're, we're now back talking about the SEC. So, um, but for the first time, I feel like we're going to get college football. I'm actually excited about the season. It feels like it's going to actually happen uh, after months and months of speculation and, and being in limbo and this constant will we, won't we, followed by what was perpetually really bad news. There was very few positives in terms of a season going ahead, particularly for a sport as big and as amateurish as what college football at least pretends to be. I assumed we actually wouldn't get a season and everything else in you know lots of people's lives from sporting events has been cancelled, particularly in the amateur world, and, and that hasn't happened here. And for the first time, I am somewhat excited, or not somewhat excited, I am really excited about the prospects of a game being in you know a week's time today. Yeah, I am with you. It's really crept up on us. I, I've been keen for a little while now. I've been thinking it's going to be happening for a little while now. But now we're just over a week away. Like we are going to be in the thick of it before you know it. So I feel like we're a little bit behind because normally we would have been through more of the preview shows. We, we would have had a bit more of a rundown because we haven't known what's going on. We've kind of been easing our way into it. But just like that, next week, full-blown season launch we're on canes are playing it's going to be awesome yeah and and it's not just like as a general rule i mean there is you know acc's got a few lead in niche type games but as a general rule they're not playing like fcs teams and real uh cupcake type stuff early in the piece we're talking a you know conference schedule right out of the gate for some of these teams and you know we're straight into it whereas you know we do often have that that lead-in period where there's games being played in australia or games being played in other parts of the world and there's this week zero which feels like it goes for about a month and um that's not happening this year it is just full noise and we're straight into it yeah, they are straight into it. I think what will hurt a little bit, though, what will sting is the 
those non-conference headliners, like the the real power programs, there's, there's not many of them. There's only maybe one or two a week max, but they're the ones that you're probably going to be watching over this period and you really look forward to those. We don't have those, so that is a bit of a knock, but as you said, straight into conference play, we're going to have, you know some conferences determining potentially how things are going to shape up right from the get-go, right from week one. So we're on. All right. So before we get into our SEC conference previews, which I promise that we will keep far, far shorter than we did uh, in terms of the ACC. Yeah, that shit really got away from us. Oh, horrifyingly so. Uh, But... We do need to hit some news before that does occur. And we've got a couple of pieces in the Big Ten, which I know you want to address, Will. And the first of those is that the Big Ten appears to be reversing course a fraction. So before you address that one, um, there has been some further discussion uh, and different legal bits and pieces coming out, around, out surrounding the Big Ten, particularly with Nebraska, as they had eight players that have decided they're going to sue the Big Ten. Uh, regarding their decision to postpone the fall season. And a lot of that uh, legal action is taken against the process in which that occurred and the fact that was there a vote uh, between schools and did that actually occur or was it the the Big Ten commissioner, is it Sankey, who said, oh, no, we're just pulling the pin because that was kind of the rumours that came out. Since that time, an affidavit was released saying that the schools did vote 11 to three to postpone so there is obviously legal documentation surrounding that but they're the two big news headliners at the moment if you would like to will what are your thoughts on the big 10 and their decision to maybe reverse course or are they going to aim for a spring season well first it's ohio state iowa and nebraska were the three that voted to play so kudos to you guys for putting college football before uh student athlete health Love that. that. That's real dedication to what we love here. So that's awesome. Uh, and also the eight guys that are suing, I bet you they're the like white guys. Real white guy move, you know. Not happy with this, so I'm suing. Fucking oh, come on, pull your head in. Like, it, it's happened. The decision's been made. Sucks, I get that. Lobby for something better. But the whole I'm suing is so fucking American sometimes. And it just... <laughs> I'm not making any fans here, but (laughs) I like it. It's ridiculous. Um, For the the wider thing, I like also that Donald Trump has now kind of got in on this. The guy just loves the the popular vote and loves to get on the side of what is popular amongst the masses. So he's kind of chimed in with with the Big Ten should be starting as soon as possible. (laughs) Like, why the fuck is the president having a say in this? Kind of like it. But it's it's just so him. So that was quite humorous to see. Uh, I don't think any of it really means anything. I think the talk of starting at Thanksgiving is just insane uh, on a couple of levels. First, the weather at that point of year across where they're going to play the season will just be horrific in the Big Ten. So good luck with that. And second... So you, sorry, just to jump in there, there was that was the... Pro- um, the proposal, right, was that originally it was going to be the spring. They were looking to start um, whenever that would be, February, March, March, April, I don't know, somewhere there, um, and get their Big Ten season going there. But then since the kind of decision for the three other conferences, the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 to stay the course, the Big Ten 
kind of has taken that action of like, hey, we were the ones that got out in front of this and look at us. They're looking for pats on the back. And then all of a sudden, these three guys are going, actually, we're not going to do this. And they've jumped back and said, well, actually, maybe we could run at Thanksgiving. Now, Thanksgiving is, of course, what date for those that are not American? What is it, the third Thursday in November? Right. So you're getting pretty cold, wild and woolly in the Midwest of America. They're looking at where they can play these games in various stadiums and um, uh, different dome facilities that exist in that part of the world to prevent the weather being too much an issue in the depths of February. But that is the suggestion from here, which seems like a nasty one. I mean, with so much revenue coming through in home games, I, I don't know how you know, Michigan and the big house or the horseshoe for Ohio State would feel about not playing games there. But then you are you going to sit through minus two degree weather? I don't know. I think it's the fourth, the fourth Thursday in November, maybe. I don't know. Regardless, fucking cold. You spot on. Uh, the other point that I wanted to make before you kind of jumped over the top of me there Sorry. was, <laughs> now I like it. Um, that they're just going to fuck it up for everyone else. Like, we have what we have now, right? We have three Power Five conferences, and then the Americans going to potentially throw something in there if someone can run undefeated. But that's essentially what we've got going for a national championship this year, and, and that's still going to be the target for teams. Yes, you want to win your conference, but that's still on the plate. That's still a viable option. That's still what us as consumers of the sport are going to be building towards and looking forward to. And now the Big Ten are kind of potentially looking in at getting in over the top of that, but obviously not within the same time frame, so they won't be able to play to that scale. Like, it's just, don't muddy the waters. More you've, national you've made champions. The call. More national champions. This is going to be good. So there'll be <laughs> yeah. so many. Yeah, I mean, there, there could be that. There could be that. But yeah, that, that, that's my point there. Um, what, what else we got happening in the news, my friend? Uh, preseason polls have come out, which I think is a bit stupid considering they have named various non-playing teams in the preseason polls. Now, I think preseason polls are a crock of shit anyway. You like them. But like Ohio State ranked number two. Okay, cool. They're not playing this fall. So what the hell does that mean? Does that mean they can finish the season no, they're going to take two? a drastic. They're going to take a drastic drop after week one. I'm, I'm picking like, it. How how does that even happen? Anyway, so there's nothing really too special here. I don't think. I mean, you love this sort of shit, but LSU is at four. Alabama three. I think LSU is a bit high. I see them taking a few steps back. Oregon at six for whatever that means. Uh, Oklahoma, I think, deserve to be higher than where they're at. But it's the normal names you would expect to see. Penn State at 8, Florida at 9, Auburn 10, Notre Dame 11, Okie State at 12, which is pretty good for the Cowpokes. Texas A&M are becoming an annually overrated and overranked program, I believe. Texas at 14 haven't proved really too much, uh, I don't think this year uh well, well no one's not this year, much this year no but last year either i think they had a disappointing season last year michigan continually disappointing and and it's the same names you've got your team north carolina who you don't think are very good ranked at 17 my question for you though is because we see ucf at 20 what does this mean for the group of five teams particularly in the american that are continuing to play this fall season what does this mean for them in terms of getting ranked should they drop out 
Ohio State and these other non-playing teams? And does it mean that these teams actually have a legitimate shot at the playoff this year? Or does the lack of out-of-conference game really put a halt on that for them? I think that they 100% will get an opportunity. The other teams will drop out. That's going to happen. They've already said that. When they start playing games, they're only going to consider teams that are playing. I think I'm with you on that it is a bit of a crock of shit that we've got it this year. Like, Surely you can make that call and say, all right, these teams obviously aren't playing. We're going to go from here to, to rank it out. Cool, we've got what we've had now. Surely you could have had that, then gone from that and created the next poll of qualifying teams or teams that are available they haven't done that whatever don't really care we are going to see more carnage in this year's polls than ever before just purely because this was all based off of pre-season expectations and there's been so much change there's been players opting out there's been more transfers with the portal available and that's kind of not so bat related but just in college football in general I, I expect to see a whole heap of change around that place and also the fact that we've got more conference games happening this year there aren't those uh easier wins you're going to have more upsets you're going to have less teams who have greater records having beaten up on poor teams because they're playing like for like so you're going to have probably more parity more losses on records and there will be a top four that are elite. And then I think you're going to see from, you know, as much as five onwards, multiple losses across there. Yeah, I just, I don't know how I feel about these group of five teams because I feel like if any greater chance they've had is to play that out of conference game. And I know they get one this year. I think they play North Carolina and UCF who are, you know, outside of Boise State who obviously aren't playing this season in the Mountain West. UCF appear to be the team to beat from a from a group of five perspective, but they're not going to get enough games of quality to say like, yeah, they're good enough to... And, unless they put an absolute beat down on North Carolina, but then, I don't know, there's all these hypotheticals we could jump into. I don't right. think it really does any favours for them if you're... I, I, no, you're probably right, but I think the Americans not bad this year. Like Cincinnati are going to be good. Yeah. Uh, App State are uh, a good team in the group of five as well. I wouldn't rule them from running the table. Uh, and then that becomes a really interesting one if you've got a bunch of three-loss SEC teams and a team that hasn't lost. How do you, how do you take yeah. them above that? So it's, it's another one for us to follow, and I think that's, that's going to be good for them. But it's a really good point you make. If they can't provide an upset out of conference, it becomes a really tough sell. All right, and lastly, Jamar Chase has opted out. Now, he is the potential first-round wide receiver out of LSU. I wouldn't even he say was... potential. I think he's a lock as a first-round receiver. He is the top receiving prospect this year. He probably he would have been a first-round draft pick if he came out last year. Probably regretting that now. Or is he too young? Couldn't, I don't think. No, he couldn't last year. But he would have been. like He's that talented. So, massive, massive hit for the Tigers. We've yeah, already but... seen... But he, but I guess he gets to go and be like the number one dude this year in in what was a deep class last year. Oh, absolutely! Probably... I'm I'm not knocking the decision. Like it, it, it's good for him, but it's a big hit for LSU. And oh, I'll massively. talk about that. I'll talk about that in in our previews here. But All right, well, having a talent like that walk away is is another one that's that's big and and a loss for us because we don't get to see him play. Yeah, I mean it's okay. They keep all their other 
players. So their entire offensive line's still there. Their offensive coordinator's still there. Their quarterback's still there. You're getting more running back sarcastic on this show. You know that, right? More sarcasm. Okay. All right. Well, that is probably a segue then into our previews for uh, the SEC and what has year in, year out, arguably been the number one conference in football. Now, before we actually got on air, you mentioned that you've got some teams that you like the look of this year. I think I'm getting on the Louisville train uh, this year for me. I like that. I like that. But you clearly have got something in the works, so I will let that occur organically tonight. But where would you like to start? Do you want to start with me? Are we starting with you? What? What? Where are we at here? So we've How about asked, you start first? We've you split up the conferences. Uh, I've gone the west. You've gone the east. Uh, as I think you mentioned earlier to me, I think we did this last year, but... Uh, yeah. Happy to, happy to go around again. So I'll, I'll kick things off, and I'm going to start at the top in the West, uh, and that is, and for those who haven't Arkansas. listened, Arkansas, brilliant. <laughs> I love talking Razorback football. Sam Pittman. I'm really excited about an offensive line coach. So let's get to it. For those of you who haven't listened into our previous shows, go back, listen to them. They're a fucking great listen. You'll love them. But we are giving you a headline, and then we're going to try and quickly run through some points on the team. The quickly one, if you're looking at the ACC show, we didn't fucking do all that well at, but we're going to do a better job here. And, and this sort of dribble that I'm giving you right now is not a great example of that. But Alabama, my headline is the cream will rise. So Alabama have been a... Football powerhouse for, I don't know, what are we saying? 15, 15. years now? Yeah, since so Saban got there, I it's guess. It's a long fucking time. And they are a team that have done what LSU did last year in that they have been pumping out elite-level talent year after year. Uh, and that doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon on the back of an incredibly well-run program and extremely successful recruiting. They have the talent coming in every year. And for them to miss out last year with LSU's historic run, they'd be super disappointed because even though they went, what was it, 11-2 and two last year, that's a disappointing season for this program. Almost everyone else in the land would be thrilled with an 11-2. These guys are disappointed with that because they play for national championships and that's where they're at. And they're in as good a position as anyone else to do that this year. So we're talking about a team that lost uh, a real franchise quarterback uh, at the next level in Tua Tagovailoa. Still kind of banging it out there, but that wasn't too bad. Yeah. Yep, it's pronounced in the first round. incorrectly, but yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, they also lost some elite receiving talent in um, Jerry, Jerry Judy. Judy. Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs, thank you. Um, was there another one? Uh, Jalen Waddle, but does he return? No, he's back. Like- he's back. So let's, let's focus less on who's gone. They do have Jalen Waddle back. They do have Devonta Smith back. They've got... John Mechie, who's going to step up this year. And those like that's as dangerous a receiving core as anyone has. And that's impressive to say when you've lost the talent that they have. So that, that's just how st- stacked they've been at the position. They also have Najee Harris coming back, who's one of the top running backs in the country. He made what I thought was a surprising decision to come back. I think he certainly could have been a day two pick 
uh, if he had have nominated for the draft based off of his skill set and athleticism. But that, that's a massive boom for them. They have a really, really good offensive line. They do have a question mark at the quarterback position. So with Tua leaving, they had Mac Jones as the primary backup last year, who performed admirably in his backup duties and when Tua went down. But just was like a, a full rung down on the ladder when you're talking of a talent of Tua's level of who they're going to be coming up against in the likes of Trevor Lawrence. They don't have a player at that level. They, they have Mac Jones. They do have the top recruit in the country in Bryce Young uh, available at the sleeve who we may see pop out because he's obviously got that, that real elite level talent. But there is a question mark there, and, and this is a year where I think you want to be steering clear of question marks. So I think Mac Jones is the one to start with. He's reliable. They do have uh, an ace that they can play on offense. But there's talent. There's talent. That offensive line, those skill positions, they're going to be so good. And then defensively was last year, and this is crazy to say about any Alabama team, that was where they were disappointing. I mean, they have made their name out of being an elite defensive unit that just turns everyone on that starting side of the ball into the NFL. Uh, and they just were decimated by injuries last year. They had uh, Dylan Moses go down with an ACL in the offseason and then a whole bunch of others that really, really hurt them. They do have Patrick Sertain Jr. coming back, who's probably the second best uh defensive back in all of the country and like a legit top 10 chance at the draft he, he is that good uh, along with some players on the defensive line as they always do this is this is a really really good team uh, they don't have that elite quarterback that's the one question mark that has me kind of pegging them behind Clemson but outside of that I see them as incredibly hard to stop and a logical favorite to win the SEC so that was you being quick, obviously, talking yeah, about Bama football. Uh, the, the only thing that I would say on the offensive side, I, I agree with just about everything you've said. Uh, I'm going to lean into the fact that having established offensive coordinators, head coaches, and quarterbacks is a massive, massive benefit this season any team that is trying to install a new system deal with new quarterbacks is going to have a problem now mac jones has been blooded steve sarkeesian's the offensive coordinator there and they've got a good running game and offensive line i've got no concerns about their offense will it be as explosive as last year no but we're in a year that we're going to see offenses struggle out the gate Alabama have got some consistency so i'm putting a lot of weight in the uh, returning qb oc head coach combination all right i'm gonna jump again i'm going in reverse hype order starting in the east i'm going vandy so vanderbilt and my headline for them is anchored down all the way down Boo. <laughs> the defense returns all 11 starters um and gets a transfer alex williams over from ohio state which is fantastic but this was also a defense that was ranked 101st in the country last year so do players improve yeah will they improve this year yes but it'll be smaller so sometimes a bad defense is still going to be a bad defense so they also have a new dc coming into town as well which i've you know mentioned previously i don't love new offensive coordinators in this 
strange, strange year. On the offensive side of the ball, they're replacing Keyshawn Vaughn at the running back position. They lose not one, not two, but three quarterbacks from last season. They've got a true freshman quarterback in Mike Wright, who they're expecting to take the reins. The only chance that the uh, that the Commodores have got of winning is to take the air out of the ball, hopefully run it a little bit and rely on a defense that might be better, but there's way too many mites, maybes, ifs and buts for Vandy to be any good this year. So they will finish last, probably across the board, but certainly from the East's perspective. Yeah, this one pains me because I am a fan of the Vanderbilt Commodores and looking across their schedule and the outlook for this team with not only the lack of talent that they have, but the fact that we're starting to see a few opt-outs there now on top of that, I can't see where they're going to get a win. Yeah, neither can I. I I don't know where it's going to happen. I mean, they've got Mississippi State and Kentucky, but they play both of them on the road. Maybe Ole Miss at home who... Yeah, After know, a bye but... week, yeah, they could get them. They've got a new coach. That's not a bad one. But they start with Texas A&M on the road, LSU, South Carolina maybe, Mizzou maybe. But yeah, I, I don't know. I agree. It, it, Old it doesn't look probably pretty. Probably after the bye. It doesn't look pretty. No, it does not. That, ladies and gents, is how you do a short segment. All right. Get hit us up it. with your... Well, surely we're talking Arkansas football now. Yeah, no, I think it's time. Pig suey. <laughs> all right so my headline when are they going to be good again it ain't now (laughs) good so arkansas similar to uh our friends at vanderbilt they're in a bit of a transformation period here although i'm not sure what uh vanderbilt are transforming for they're they're just hard they're just an academic school playing against others that are not uh (laughs) arkansas have kind of lost their way a little bit, burnt through a few coaches and really, really struggled last year. Now we see uh, head coach Sam Pittman come into town. He's brought along Kendall Bryles, who both you and I I think is a really good hire, a really exciting offensive coordinator. But this shit's going to take some time to gel and they're going to need more time than the limited periods that they've had this year to get something going here. Uh, and I just I really don't like the outlook for this team this year. They did have Felipe Franks come across from Florida, so an uh, in-conference transfer, which is pretty rare to see, um, who you're not big on. I don't mind. Not, and I find it a strange fit with Kendall Bryles. Like, we saw Kendall Bryles try and work with... Um, with quarterbacks that are a bit more statue orientated at Florida State, I can't think of him. The left-hander that transferred from Wisconsin, Alex Hornibrook, got there. Um, Alex Hornibrook, who just couldn't get that Kendall Bryles offense going, and then you turn to a big-bodied, big-armed, not statue, but certainly not the dual threat quarterback that Kendall Bryles made his name within Houston with Derek King. It's just a different look for them, and I don't really understand why Felipe Franks chose Arkansas, if I'm honest. Again, too many new coaches and a new offense with a new transfer quarterback. Not good news no. for none Arkansas. Of, none of that's good. I mean, Rakeem Boyd is back as a, yeah. a run in the ball. He, he's, he's a player. Good. 
He's one to watch. Defensively, they've gone the Miami route of having quite a few transfers, grad transfers come in. Not sure how we've seen that play out, and I, I don't think it's going to have the impact that they're hoping for. It's also worth mentioning, I think they have the toughest com- uh, schedule in all of college football. So mm-hmm. they get both Georgia and Florida from the East to, to go with the West. Not what you want. <laughs> so they're going to be like v- Vandy uh, struggling to scrape a win here or there. I mean, if only they could have played each other. That would have Yeah, helped. that would have been good. Yeah, the toilet bowl. Um, all right. Uh, I am going to start with my next least hyped team. And that is South Carolina, the Gamecocks. And their headline is, Bobo, you need to score at least a little bit. So Mike Bobo comes to town from Colorado State. Uh, He spent time at Georgia as well um, in the past. He's run a little bit of everything, but comes from a more sort of pro-style background. But this was an offense that struggled to put together any decent amount of points. They only scored... 28 points in one game and that was against an FCS school uh not I'm not a big Will Muschamp fan I wasn't at Florida he's a defensive mind his offenses are stagnant stale and boring and I've said that for a number of years and I don't think that really changes even with Mike Bobo and I don't know what he's going to put together are they going to go three wide and a tight end are they going to run two backs um they've got Ryan Halinski uh, he's a big pocket passer who can put up numbers, but they need some more consistency out of him on the offensive side. On the defensive side, there is one name you do need to know. Jordan Birch is a true freshman, five-star kid, uh, getting a lot of hype out of camp and will be a first-round defensive end pass rusher. Um, but you know, outside of that, coming from... Any other noise out of Columbia isn't particularly positive. So I don't have particularly high expectations for this Will Muschamp-led football team. No, I'm with you. It's, it's tough to argue a point for them. I don't think they're going to be an overly competitive unit in the SEC this year. I think Will Muschamp and a lot of coaches on the hot seat have probably been bought some time through this virus. I think it's going to be really hard to go sacking dudes unless... Your team looks absolutely atrocious this year because of the amount of uh, upset and you know everything that's led into it. I just think that it's going to be quite easy to kind of shrug that off and say, "Yeah, we're going to start again next year." So uh, I think I think this time the start again next year is a good point. Like I could see more coaches making it through the season, but I could also see the the axe dropping. A bit like the NFL, like as soon as that season's over and they've got Black Monday or whatever they call it, where as soon as that season's over and head coaches are getting chopped all over the place, I think that could happen in college football because you could use it if, you know, if this thing settles down. A new year, you can start it at that point and that allows everything to be a fresh start. Kids back on campus, recruiting class start from there, go your hardest um, keep consistency through the year. But yeah, I I don't think it... Bo- I, to be honest, I actually see it as an opportunity for schools to cut bait with some of these guys after the season. Just say, listen, we want a fresh start. We're post-virus. Let's get what we want in place rather than holding on to that person for another year. Yep. Okay, moving along in the West, we'll jump over to Mississippi State. So here we are seeing Leechamania. Mike Leach has rolled into town and it's what us as college football fans have got to be excited about. 
Like we have wanted to see this air raid in the SEC to see how it stacks up, to see what it looks like against these elite programs. And we're going to get an opportunity. I think year one's probably a, a bit of a tough one to, to judge him on because of the fact that he hasn't had a chance to really implement it. I think it's an easy scheme to pick up by this, like from a football purist standpoint, it doesn't seem to be one of the more nuanced or difficult uh styles of play to get your head around and for a quarterback to pick up especially but you you want your sort of players running in this system and to have to try and adapt what previous coaches have been gunning for and recruiting against into that is is always going to be difficult so I don't expect the the boom success out of the gates but it will certainly be interesting to see how it stacks up just from a stylistic standpoint uh, with him, he also managed to land a big graduate transfer in KJ Costello, who was highly touted out at Stanford before having an absolute disastrous year last year where he had some injury concerns that really held him back, never got going. Like He was talked about as a first-round, maybe second-round draft pick and just faded to nothing last year. So he's hit the reset come to Mississippi State, and I think it actually happened before the leech hire, uh, and he'd be thrilled with that now because you've got an offensive mind and he's he's now in a position to put up better numbers than anyone else in the SEC at least. Uh, so it, it's going to be good to see how that plays out. They also have Kylan Hill on the offense who's probably the most talented running back potentially in the conference. Like the, the dude's a baller. I don't really love the running back position for these sorts of players in that air raid offense. I think sometimes they can be a little bit wasted. I think it's more of a type of player who plays really well in that offense and not necessarily uh, a true three-down pro-style back. But I don't know. The, I'm looking forward to watching them play. I love the coaching moves all across the SEC West, and, and that's certainly added intrigue to it. They're going to be a must-watch out of the gate uh, and they have really, really exciting matchup with LSU uh, on the road to kick things off. So if they can make some noise there, who knows? I'm, I'm not really expecting it, but this is a team that after that, they've got Arkansas, they've got Kentucky, very winnable games. They're going to be fun to watch, and I will certainly be looking forward to tuning into them. Yeah, again, we've always had this thing like, uh coaches just good coaches at that lower div one i say lower but less prestigious yeah, the, div the one 12 level yeah but i meant like washington state aren't exactly a power um and neither was texas tech when he was there but you know can it work and mississippi state even in the in whilst they're a step up it's they're only a step up through proxy really in the fact that they're in the sec west uh it's gonna be interesting because mike leach is a knowingly not interested in recruiting somewhat to chip kelly he's he's not a he's not big on the recruiting front he trusts his ability to take the lesser known guys and rely on his scheme to be able to produce for him so there's this expectation that kind of oh if he gets the guys but there's nothing to guarantee that he will get what he wants there in starkville um they've actually relied on their defense mostly so it'll be interesting to see. I know they lost a few pieces, particularly up front um, to the draft last year, but 
can they defensively hold up enough whilst Mike Leach works in this air raid uh, system um, because we know that they're going to go and become the number one passing team in probably the country because that's what Mike Leach teams do. Yeah, uh, and I did fail to mention the defense uh, completely and that's bad on my part, but I think they're going backwards in a, in a bad way, unfortunately. With the players that you mentioned, they left. Uh, this team was known for their defense and I think that's now gone out the window with this hire and they're going to take... They took a step back last year after losing Montez Sweat and a few other real studs. Bouquet. Now they're going back again. So they, they could be... It's just the way that they play the ball, the way that they're up-tempo, score as many points as they do, they're going to be up against it. There's left, less emphasis on it. They're, they're going to struggle defensively. And the SEC isn't what it used to be, where everyone's defensive and you can score 14 points and win a game. Now their offenses are doing as well as, as any. So, yeah, yeah that, that's going to be interesting too. Yeah, they're not rolling out a uh, 1937 wishbone attack anymore in the <laughs> SEC. So um, I'm going to jump across to Kentucky, and their headline is, there is some good, there is some bad, and then there is Max Duffy. All right, so Terry Wilson returns. He was uh, had an injury that sidelined him last year. I nearly said yesterday. It wasn't yesterday. Last year, uh, Lynn Bowden Jr. took over and was the number one passer, the, no, second in passing, leading receiver and leading rusher on the team. Uh, he's gone, so their entire offense is effectively gone. They get Joey Gatewood across from Auburn, who I thought was going to push Joe Nix last year. He didn't, but they're waiting on a clearance for him from the NCAA to make him eligible for this season, so that's still unsure as of yet. Uh, the defense returns a heap, including Brandon Eccles, who should be a you know a late first, early second round pick at cornerback. I think he's a really, really good one. Um, so they've got a lot on the defensive side. It's just going to be, can that offense get going in the right direction um, for long enough? Kentucky fans and, and Kentucky in general are feeling pretty good about this year. I'm a little unsure just because of what to expect on the offensive side of the ball. The person yeah, I mean, that I mentioned in the headline that needs a whole lot of airtime right now is Max Duffy. Now, he is the main man there. He won the Ray Guy Award last year as the nation's top punter. With that came All-American and All-SEC honors. He led the nation in punting average at 48.1 yards per kick. Um, and he's looking to set himself up for a big year and a massive run at the NFL. So... We're, you know, looking forward to another big season from him. Uh, and I won't put the mockers on him. But, uh, yeah, all the best to the Wildcats and all the best to Max Duffy for season 2020. Yeah, I mean, he's legit superstar at the position with the numbers that he put up last year. They were phenomenal. I mean, let's let's just chalk up a win for the Wildcats across the season because of his special teams play. I think oh, yeah. that's that's reasonable. We can get that there. Uh, one of the points you mentioned was how many they've got coming back on defense. And we've kind of mentioned this for a few other teams where we've said, yeah, they've got a whole heap of, you know, the, the whole starting defensive units coming back. But they were ranked 100th last year. or They were ranked 80th last year. Like, that, they were pretty shit. They're going to be better because they're more experienced, grown up, know the system better. But they were shit. This Kentucky D was good. 
They've got all yeah. of, almost all of them coming back, and they were like twentieth in the nation already. So yeah. that's a, that's a real one for them to be able to lean on. They want to run the ball. Last year they were throwing like three, four passes a game. So th- they have an identity, and and that's a good thing. So watching them play to their strengths, play solid defense in some old school SEC, and running the football, they're going to get wins, and and they're going to be a tough out for anyone that comes up against them. Yeah, they will. And I think they've got a good shot straight out of the gate because they open against Auburn. And I don't think Auburn are going to be as good this year. So they might just get hold of them. They've got Old Miss who, again, breaking in new coach, new system and Mississippi State, new coach, new system. So there's a chance early providing Terry Wilson's healthy. They will be a little bit more balanced in terms of running and throwing the ball this year, I think, because um, obviously Lynn Bowden was a, a... a wildcat quarterback effectively. Now, Terry Wilson's got running ability. We know that. Has got a sweet head of dreads also. Critical. Um, But, you know, they're going to be able to pass the ball down the field a little bit more than they did last year. So um, on on, on that Kentucky defense as well, it's year in, year out now with that defense. It's not just like every three-year cycle or whatever. It's becoming a an annual thing that the Kentucky defense is good. So um, hopefully they can they can hold up. The offense can move the ball a little bit, not too much because we need Max Duffy to win that Ray Guy award again. Yep. All right, rolling on. Let's talk some LSU football. Uh, <laughs> here, my headline, this is where the men get separated from the boys. And I thought you were going to go like, is the fire drill over? Or... <laughs> that would have been clever. <laughs> yeah. could have you could have given me that because that's much better than mine but yeah, uh what i'm referring to here is the fact that we have programs like alabama like clemson like ohio state who consistently turn out elite teams and an insane amount of pros at the next level and then they just reload right they, they, they lose all these guys like there's no way they can be as good as they were last year and then they turn out being better and you're like what the fuck how did that happen <laughs> LSU ha- is not ha- that. Is, is not, not that, that. <laughs> precisely, and and I think we're going to see that this year. I think there's a combination of the fact that they lost the quarterback. Like you can kind of mask some of it sometimes when you've got a superstar quarterback coming back. They lost him and like 16 others to the NFL, something ridiculous like that. that. Those numbers are huge, and then you think, well, at least they got Jamar Chase, who's the best wide receiver in the country. Back, he's fucking out. He's like, nah, yeah. I, I ain't doing it either. So the, those numbers are just too much. Uh, we, we gushed last year about Joe Brady and how much we thought he was an insanely good offensive coordinator, albeit, what was he, like passing game coordinator or whatever the fuck his title yeah, was. Yeah, and younger than us, horrifyingly yeah. so, but yeah. The, the dude was incredible. He's gone too. So the, there's so many pieces from that historic team last year that have left that I am, I'm really off LSU this year. I think they're going to struggle. I think this is not the year to be replacing everyone. I think the fact that, uh, as you said in the lead-off, Clay Helton has come out and said that we may be having more uh, leave, I think that's kind of players seeing a bit of the writing on the wall that they're not going to be competing for a national championship this year. Yes, they recruit at a really, really high level. Clay said that? Clay Helton's really locked in with LSU football. Ed Ed Orgeron. (laughs) Okay. He's, He's come across on loan during the COVID lockdown. You didn't read okay. that? I was like, what? I know, like, I know these guys like maybe coach together at USC. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. But yeah, anyway. 
Uh, breaking news here. So <laughs> yeah, that, it. tweet that one out. Uh, but Ed Ogeron, it, it's not a good sign if, if people are starting to opt out and thinking about what they need to do on Sunday because they don't, they're not buying in that they think they can win a national championship. And I see that too. I see this team losing four or five games across their SEC slate. I, I think it's a real drop back. I don't think that's so much a, a knock on it. I think that's just the, the state of play for them. They lost so much starting experience. The guys are going to be so fresh. They don't have the experience. There's a new quarterback coming in. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not on the Tigers this year. Neither am I. Miles Brennan should be a good one. They're saying that he, you know, is as good as advertised, but he had a little bit of work last year and, and nothing really too substantial kind of showed up on film. So, and and I'm a, not a Steve Esminger fan. I think you, we saw him struggle two years ago offensively and Ed Orgeron's job was on the line. He brings in Joe Brady. Joe Burrow somehow magically transforms into a quarterback that we've never seen, but like that's never happened before. A quarterback who was not even rated, he was going like undrafted, goes and becomes the number one overall pick. Anyway, we won't get hung up on LSU for too long because I agree. Uh, all right, where am I next? So in reverse order of least hype, let's go Missouri. Expect a slow start, but a strong finish. That is a shit headline. Have you got anything else? Uh, I mean, surely there's an Eli Drinkwitz. Drink, there's got to be drink. a pun. They're drinking from the Kool-Aid if you uh, like them. Yeah, maybe. Do you like them? Yeah, anyway. We, what was that? Do you like them? Is this a positive headline? Um, I think they'll finish well, obviously, because I spelled that out. Um, I like Eli Drinkwitz. I think he did a fantastic job at App State, um, albeit in relatively limited amount of time. Uh, but again, you've got a new coach jumping up into the SEC. I just think they're going to struggle again this year. On top of that, they start with Alabama out of the gate. They should get an improved Tennessee team. And, and, you know, as much as we slam LSU for losing a heap and not being as good, I still think they're better than Missouri probably, certainly talent-wise. So three relatively tough games straight out the shoot. Sean Robinson comes across from TCU. I don't know if you remember him, but he is of interception fame really over there for the Horned Frogs. Couldn't not turn the ball over in big moments, um, but he's likely to get the starting job after sitting last season with the transfer. He watched Kelly Bryant take the starting reins and do not too much. He got nicked up, but Sean Robinson appears to be the guy there. Missouri are not going to name their starting quarterback until week one. Uh, who else they get coming across? They have got Virginia Tech wide receiver Damon Hazelton, who's a really, really good wide receiver, but they're expecting him to slot in and become the number one guy in the building. So he's going to have to do all the heavy lifting there. I don't know how this comes together. New coach, new quarterback. Really, the key piece on offense is a wide receiver that they haven't really had a chance to gel yet. So how the heck this offense is going to get going and score more than 21 points, I just don't really see it. But I think they finish really, really strong. By the end of the season, it's going to be a different looking year. You're going to see teams struggle out of the gate and finish really strong. I think Missouri is one of those teams. The only other name to know, Nick Bolton on the defensive side. Um, He will have to have another huge year this year and, and... make some improvement for that defense to give anyone a consistent scare. The other player worth noting is Ben Key. 
is a true well goes in the book as a transfer he's a defensive end from Cranbourne um, so an Australian kid which is really really good playing along the defensive line that is cool you've done your research there I like that um, with you though way too many question marks on offense the it's not the time to be bringing in uh, new head coach new system best receiving weapon is a new player too it's it's going to be pretty uh, sorry ugly pretty ugly and Alabama out the gate is not what you want. So I think defensively they're quite good and, and they'll see that and that'll keep them in some games. But yeah, don't expect a whole lot out of the Missouri Tigers this year. All right, I'm going to jump on over to Ole Miss here. Uh, and with the Rebels, I'm saying wildcard bitches. This is your wildcard team. This is you, isn't it? No, this is not my team. I'm, I'm, not, oh, okay. I'm not on them because with a wild card, you're going to see it all. You're going to see an upset team. Like they're going to beat Alabama or they're going to beat LSU. Like that's going to happen. But then they are also going to lose to Kentucky. <laughs> it's, it's a wild card team. That's what we're going to get. It's Lane Kiffin. He's going to be having fun. And this is another reason why I think the SEC West is going to be so bloody entertaining this year. They're going to be all over the shop. I think he's got some really, really good players on that team in uh, John Reese Plumley, who was an exciting quarterback. He, he likes to run the ball out of that quarterback position. They've got uh, Jerry and Ely, yeah, he's running back, good. who's really, really good too. Uh, these guys, they've, they've got players, but... They've got a new coach coming in, which I keep knocking on. It's going to be really hard to be doing that this year. And he's a little bit eccentric himself, and he, and he goes for the flair. So you're going to see him swinging for the fences. He's going to be trying shit in some of these games when he shouldn't be. And, and, <laughs> and it's going to come off spectacularly, and it's going to not spectacularly. So this is, this is my wild card team for 2020. I'm going to be watching with great interest. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Rebs? Yeah, I don't really disagree. I mean, Lane Kiffin is going to bring that circus to town with him and his Twitter game is strong and so is Mike Leach's as well. So these two are going to be at each other and I really, really hope for the state of Mississippi that these two teams and and coaches are A, both successful, but B, develop... I know there's the Egg Bowl and that should be a really, really good finish to the year because a bit like Missouri, I think we're going to see both of these teams build towards the end of the year just as they become familiar with their coach, familiar with what they're trying to achieve and get everybody on the same page, that is going to take a few months. So by the time the Egg Bowl rolls around, that could be one of the best, if not the best rivalry games of the year. I think they played that one second last week. So I really look forward to that. In terms of Ole Miss themselves, yeah, again, I still don't trust the offense to to get on the same page early enough. Now, we know Lane Kiffin is a really, really good offensive mind. There was no doubt about that. That's why Nick Saban brought him to Alabama. And the following year, he was given a gig at FAU and he was there for a couple of years and, you know, turned them into real cellar dwellers into a really good football team consistently week in, week out. Um, So we know that he can do it. Will the crazy stay away long enough? because he's always getting in trouble for something stupid, whether it's recruiting violations at Tennessee or whatever happened at USC, and he's jumping around from the pros. And he could just, he's hes like a fart in a bottle. Like he just can't, something is going to fuck up. So 
hopefully it lasts more than a year for Lane, but hey, crazy seems to follow him. So we'll see. I like it. All right. Now I'm going to get into the guts of what is left of the uh, SEC East in terms of quality. So I've had Vandy, had South Carolina, had Kentucky, had Missouri, who out, like those three next South Carolina, Kentucky, and Missouri probably all fit in their own little category of a bit meh. Then you've got the three others, I think, and probably a couple stand out. But in terms of hype, I'm going with Florida. And my question for them is, are they better than pretty good? Because I like Dan Mullen. I think he's a good coach and he does some good things offensively. Kyle Trask is a quarterback and he's a pretty good one. Kyle Pitts is a good tight end, a a pretty good tight end. They lose Zuniga, they lose David Reese, they lose Grenard, they lose CJ Henderson on defense, but the defense is never an issue at Florida. They're going to be pretty good. But pretty good is not good enough to beat Georgia and it's not good enough to beat Alabama. And this is where Florida are stuck at the moment. They are perpetually pretty good, but are not uh, consistently playing at a high level and beating these upper echelon teams. Recruiting as well has been pretty good, but not elite. They finished inside the top 15 for the last five years, but in that span have only netted one five-star. They get Lorenzo Lingard across from Miami, who's a former five-star, but by all reports coming out of camp, he's buried on the depth chart at the moment. The offensive line was horrifically bad last year, and I don't know how much improvement we're going to see from them. So, yeah, Florida are going to be okay. But, they and, and to their credit, they do have returning coach, returning quarterback, which I've said is important, and it probably is, or it definitely is, but I just still don't see them getting over that hump. I don't see them beating Georgia. I don't see them beating Alabama. I don't see them beating the big players uh, this year and maybe forever, and, and maybe that's the Dan Mullen ceiling. The other one little note is Jeremy, Jeremy Croshaw. I'm not exactly Croshaw. Um, is a punter who signed there earlier this year. He's from New South Wales. Uh, I think he's the... L- last punter to get signed and, and head over there or the most recent i should say um so he's gonna be punting for the gators thoughts on the boys from gainesville i think you bring up a, a really good point around them being really good but not that next level great and and it's an interesting one because then they're much better than teams who have to go through those cycles and and have it all sync together to be you know really challenging for it they're they're the step above that but it almost feels like they need that like every year they're good but they're they're lacking here or they're lacking there or it's just the puzzle pieces aren't quite falling into place and I'm with you Dan Mullen's a good coach but it feels like that again like I'm not blown away by by the team cohesion it's not they're super strong here or they've got this going here and they can kind of cover up their weaknesses it's like yeah they're they're nice here and they look good here but then I don't feel great about that or you know like that's just how it is with this Florida team how it has been and they turn out enough really good players to be like oh that's a hit yeah they're going to replace them but it's going to take time for that guy to really kind of find his groove and step up and be that impact player that they've replaced and by that's happened they've they've kind of had an injury somewhere else and that's cost them it's just they're not in that elite rung that elite they don't have the machine feel 
that Alabama, potentially Georgia, and Clemson, whilst Clemson's machine is less uh, regimented than the Alabama machine or the Georgia machine or the Ohio State machine, it feels like there's more kind of unicorns and rainbows floating around that Clemson machine, but it's still very mechanical in, in the expectations, the killer instinct surrounding the club and their ability to reload that Florida just doesn't appear to have. No, I agree. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Trask, he's good, but he again, he doesn't he doesn't do a whole lot for me. I don't see him leading them to the promise. You are land. so uninspired by Florida right now. I am, I am, and and I like Florida as, as a football team. They're just not doing it for me this year. Uh, I do think, and I have a bit of a prediction. Maybe this could be one of my bold predictions. Uh, that I, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna let it off early. I'm gonna give you guys a bit of a teaser into next week's season launch and the bold predictions there i think that the game against georgia uh what do they call that one the world's largest cocktail party or whatever it is i think that is going to be ground zero for wave three of the coronavirus (laughs) pandemic in the united states i think you're going to find so much happening in there that it's really going to we're going to see the spike happen on the back of that there's a okay that is pretty fucked but sure um okay well before we continue on any further i do need to make a shout out and make sure we hit up all the socials please do hit us up on twitter and on instagram at cfb down under um facebook will be getting some action in the near future so you can you will be able to shortly join us there as well make sure you do subscribe to the podcast leave us a review and please please tell all your friends about it i know the groundswell of australians is continuing to grow in terms of their fandom of college football so let's continue to build upon this let's give our support to the Aussie boys playing over there this year because if there's a year that they would feel further away from home I don't know what it would be so let's make sure we do give them their support and please give you or can you give your support to us as well it is much appreciated so again twitter instagram um hit up will he loves getting on that social media shit so and facebook you say that's exciting yeah we're heading down that rabbit hole that's gonna be good we're gonna have so many friends yeah real friends (laughs) all right let's let's push on auburn uh for me i have them cheeky little surprise packet so this is a team that has probably a questionable offense and some pretty significant replacements required on the defensive side of the ball. But I think that they are a sneaky play this year in the SEC West. I think with Bo Nix back, he's going, he was one of the more impressive freshman starting quarterbacks in the country last year until he wasn't. Like he had some really good moments and then turned into a freshman quarterback, which we shouldn't be surprised at. But I think he'll learn from that. I think we saw some really, really promising signs from him. I think he is one that could logically take a massive leap forward in his second year. So they've got that about them. They've got stability on the offensive side of the ball with uh, the head coach who should have this humming. Like They don't have that question mark. So I, I feel really good about that. And it's Auburn. Like they recruit really well. They tend to pop up one year where you're thinking, fuck, where, where's this Auburn team come from? 
and wouldn't shock me if, if this was the year that they do surprise, they do turn a few heads. I I kind of have them being a better team than LSU this year, which may surprise a lot. Uh, but the the big the biggest loss I think they will feel is Aaron Sipos, uh, the the punter. That hurts. I mean, he, he's off. I know he had a training camp invite out at Detroit. I haven't quite followed up with that to see if he's won he the starting gig there. He's playing there. He's like, I want, to, I want to be able to walk at the end of next season. He knows if he goes to Detroit, that won't happen. No, what do you, because he'll be punting so much. His leg yeah. is going to be sore. Yeah. That's correct. a good call. Thanks for getting my joke. So well, well done. I'm I was, glad I have to Like, is he going to get hurt? Is he okay? <laughs> do I need to call his mum? Uh, that's my Auburn. You go. Um. Yeah, I'm off Bo Nix. I thought he was disappointing last year. Just so much six... so, earlier you called him Joe Nix. I like that. No, I did not. Did <laughs> I? Will, I will well, go back and play it for you Joe if you Nicks. like. He can Joe Nix. He can be Joe Nix until he earns his own name back to me in Bo Nix. I think he threw, what, 16 touchdown passes last year. Uh, I don't trust him. I like Seth Williams. He's a really, really good, big number one target. Um, so he's going to have to do a fair bit. Uh, Anthony Schwartz is also super, super fast, and I like watching him. But for some reason, Gus Malzahn and Bo Nix or Joe Nix cannot get those two boys the ball enough in space. Gus Malzahn is supposed to be this kind of up-tempo spread guru, but his offenses are inconsistent and Combine that with inconsistent quarterback play, and it's not a great combination. So I don't trust Auburn. On top of that, they're trying to replace two elite defensive to, uh, defensive linemen. Their offensive line gets shaken up a bit as well. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not super convinced on Auburn this year. I think them and LSU are both going to go backwards, and they will probably play in... I actually think Auburn are, are, are going to... I don't rate Texas A&M, but I think Texas A&M are going to be better. So I don't know where that puts Auburn in the middle of that pack, below Alabama, below A&M, probably below LSU. So there you go, probably about fourth. Cool. All right, let's push on. I am going to go with the second most hyped team and that is the georgia bulldogs and their headline reads can we have justin fields back please uh this is where the new coach new quarterback chickens come home to roost todd munkin who was at the cleveland browns last year before that at the tampa bay buccaneers Brings NFL experience with him, but he is coaching an unproven Jamie Newman who comes across from Wake Forest. They've also got the aforementioned JT Will Murden Daniels from USC uh, who couldn't beat out Keaton Slovis. So he transfers and comes across. Uh, I just, I don't like that combination, particularly for Georgia. Uh, We don't know what to expect at in terms of what Jamie Newman actually is. We don't really know even what JT Daniels is. He got a year and a bit and then got injured. Um, so we're, I'm really unsure. Having said that, you've got Zamir White, who is an absolute gun running back, one of the hot, hot recruits set to take his position in the backfield and will probably be the next Bulldog running back 
to become a household name. So if you need to know a name, Zamir White is one of them. Uh, if you're an NFL guy, you'll be drafting him in fantasy in the future. Uh, on top of that, you have got George Pickens at wide receiver I really like. But I think Georgia takes a step back this year along with the general theme of the SEC East is I just don't think anyone's going to be as good. And, and part of that is to do with Corona, but it's just not going to be an easy year for this team that replaces a whole heap on the offensive line. They've got an awkward schedule as well. It's not necessarily that difficult, but it's kind of awkward. They start with Arkansas on the road, whatever. They get Auburn who... Again, I don't really rate, but they may or may not be okay early in the year. I don't know. And Tennessee at home. So I don't think any of those cause too many issues. But then they get Alabama on the road before heading to Kentucky before a buy. And I think that Alabama game is difficult. You've then got to look ahead to the buy and then Florida after that. And Kentucky shapes up as being one of those ones that you just don't really see coming or... You know, it's that look ahead to the buy um, and it, it's not a great combination, a little kind of fo- a hot four-week stretch there for Georgia, which could be a little tough. Richard LeCount's back on the defensive side at his safety position. I feel like he's been playing at Georgia for about a gazillion years, but he will be in and around the box, um, being nosy. He'll come up and help in, the ta- in run assist. Uh, he doesn't mind... Um, coming down and laying contact but he also I think led the team in interceptions last year as well so he's good on the back end and and has a nose for the ball so I think Georgia do take a step back I don't think it's enough to um, to be alarmed about I think they still win because I hated that offense last year I was very vocal in my dislike for Jake from and uh, James Coley's offense but I don't know that it's actually that much better under new circumstances with new offensive coordinator and new quarterback. I strongly disagree with you on this one. I think Georgia are going to be a very, very good team this year. I am really excited to see Todd Monken as the new offensive coordinator there. Uh, I believe I'm a JT Daniels believer. I'm in that camp. I think he's going to win the starting job. I think this team has the best defense in the country i'm gonna throw that out there uh and on the back of that with players like you mentioned zamir white superstar george pickens coming back they're the leading receiver jt daniels who i'm expecting to have a really big year i'm i'm massive on georgia i think they're going to be very very good i think they're going to win the east and they're going to then have a tough out how's this for a segue into my team for 2020, the Texas A&M Aggies. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah I mean, oh, here we go. I know that's a segue, but I'm just going to cut it right in half here for a second. The only reason for that, and I'll get back to you, is I think all the defenses are going to look good. We know that when... When we get into training camps, defenses always look better than offenses. They get on board quicker. They get sorted and worked out earlier than what the offenses do. I think every defense is going to look better than it will. So having the number one defense, yeah, great. But it's going to be how well you put up points this year. And I think you're going to see some 
offensive record set for least amount of yards, least amount of points. It's not going to be an offensive year, particularly with new coaches, particularly with new coordinators, particularly with new quarterbacks coming across because they're not going to be able to set their system and get familiar with it. So defenses are going to look better. So yeah, Georgia may have a really, really good defense. That's fantastic. But can they score enough points? They still will. They're still going to win the East. I'm not doubting that. But they're not going to be this... Um, all-powerful, destroying team that I think people expect out of Georgia every year. Do you feel the same about the NFL? Do you think the NFL is going to be lower scoring? Because I'll place yes, a wager on that. Yes, and I think you're going to see them. Hey, I'll place a wager on that. There's some really oh, yeah? interesting stats out about the last time they had this sort of disruption in the off season and the impacts of that, and that was the highest scoring season on record uh, immediately after that. I think Apparently, you're going to see the most amount of false starts. In a week of football. Yeah, I mean, there, there could be that. There could be some <laughs> rusty players there. But apparently, it's offenses, like it, it's the defenses who struggle to catch up. I was surprised too. But uh, don't be surprised to see some points. Okay. All right, back on it. Texas Sorry, A&M. A&M. Sorry, where were you? A&M. Yay, A&M, your I'm, team. I'm all, I'm all aboard the Aggies. So you've gone Louisville this year? I think so. You're getting on the Louisville bandwagon. And for those of you who aren't the loyal listeners, which I'm sure most of you are, every year Aaron and I pick a group of five team and a power five team that are not normally our our ones that we're loyal to. And we kind of adopt them for the year and play close attention to them. And this year, Aaron's gone Louisville, I've gone Texas A&M. And the reason I've gone Texas A&M is because they're going to win the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, I think that they're all set up for it. They're ready to take that leap under Jimbo Fisher. They've been recruiting at a really high level. They've got really good skill position players this year. I really like Isaiah Spiller at running back. I think he's a really, really good player. They've got Jarman Osborne at wide receiver, who's going to break out in a big way this year. They have eight back on defense that was already a really good defensive unit with some playmakers across that defensive line in DeMarvin Leal and Bobby Brown the third player. Sweet name. Uh, the, their top two tacklers are back in Anthony Hines and Buddy Johnson. Another sweet name. And they have an experienced athletic quarterback in Kellen Mond who is just going to be a star this year. He there won't be. He, he won't. Be. He, he won't. Be. Hey, it's look, not happening. I, Kellen I, I Mond know. was a star last year until he wasn't. And he was a star the year before that, except he wasn't. Oh, and he was ranked higher than fucking whoever. I can't remember who was in his class, but I remember them always comparing him to various other quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence, was that his year maybe? No. Anyway. Trevor Lawrence was number one. I think the easy, the easy route to take is to bag Kellen Mond and to think he's going to be underwhelming because to this point he hasn't been great but I've seen flashes I saw flashes in that bowl game last year against a very very good Big 12 team and I think he takes that next step with all of this experience around him with the structures in place he's perfectly poised to take the SEC by fire to be in the running for a a Heisman trophy like he's going to get invited that's nope. happening. No. Nope. And Texas A&M are going to be really, really successful this year. You're not going to see a guy who struggles with down-the-field accuracy all of a sudden become an accurate passer. That's not his go. He's a running quarterback who can who can pass year. a little bit. That, and it's going to be yeah, like that's all Joe, he ever is. Joe he's, he's inconsistent. Sorry? Joe Burrow-like. Not that good, 
but it's, you're going to see that sort of transformation. No way. I haven't seen it in three years. Very rarely do you see that transition and that big leap that happens forward without a change in staff, without a change in scheme. Now, the O-line returns a lot. Don't get me wrong. He is set up to do it. He's just not the quarterback that is good enough to to do that. He's going to drop a game somewhere. And I know that's a lot of pressure to put on a young man's shoulders, but that's the way it goes. I'm not big on the... I feel like I'm not big on anyone. But anyway, um, Tennessee is my last team and their headline reads, in terms of biggest hype team in the SEC East, goal number one, get out of first gear before September ends. So last year, they finished the season with a bit of momentum. They beat a whole bunch of pretty mediocre teams, but they were winning. Um, However, they did start the year by losing to Georgia State BYU and then getting smoked by Florida before October even started. Um, so this year they can't afford a slow start, but they return a decent quarterback in Jarrett Guarantano. Jeremy Pruitt's back. They've got an experienced O-line, which I think, something I haven't mentioned yet, but that is an underrated thing this year in that an offensive line that requires communication and familiarity and, and being on the same page and just knowing what that guy next to you is going to do you know, Tennessee have got that. And teams that don't, you can't manufacture that experience and that familiarity with each other. So uh, I know they need more out of Jarrett Guarantano. They need him to be more consistent. They need him to have a better year. And they're relying on Josh Palmer as a wide receiver. He should be good. Um, Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that these guys are going to go out and win the SEC East, but I think they're going to be better this year. They need a pass rush, which is a little bit difficult. The only thing that really concerns me is that this schedule shapes up horrifically pretty early. Um, It's not too bad, but later in the year, it is supremely difficult. They open with South Carolina on the road. They get Mizzou at home, and I think they can win both of those. And I think they go into those games favorite, probably should. However, on the back half of the year, they play Georgia, Bama, Florida, Texas A&M, and Auburn. So I think Tennessee will actually be better than their record shows. I think if they split this thing, then that could possibly be a step in the right direction despite what their record would be. So I'm expecting a pretty good year from from Tennessee and certainly not the uh, hot mess that they got into early last year. Yeah, I kind of agree with you there. It depends on what you define pretty good as. I, I see four losses on their record. Wouldn't surprise me if they had five. I'm not huge on this team. I don't, I don't I think, think Tennessee would fans would take four losses after last year. It's a pretty proud fan base. And like, yes, last year was disappointing, but they did start to see that move in the right direction. And there's a reason you've got them as the number one in your hype because it is there. Like they're starting to have those expectations rise again and four losses is is not good for any program that's expecting to be competing for a conference championship so i don't see it this year i think they're building in the right direction i I hope that they can kind of regain some of that that old luster that they used to have but for me this is not the year that they're going to have as you mentioned it's a tough schedule there's not a whole heap that jumps out at me on the field uh as as real playmakers difference makers so with that yeah. being the case, they're, they're a team that I'm not really getting around this year. Yeah, Oh, and I certainly don't think they're going to go and set the world on fire by any means, but I think they'll be good. I think they'll be improved. Uh, and 
we will see this resurgence of Tennessee, hopefully for Rocky Top fans. Okay, we've that that was good. Was it? It was faster. It was it was a bit a bit quicker. We've we've done a a better job there, my friend. Okay, perfect. Well, that does bring us to the end of this SEC episode. Uh, in terms of a preview, we don't have much left to go, so we've only got season launch, which involves bold predictions. Uh, this will involve other things that we've got in the works. Oh, we've like, got so much in the works, mate. We, oh, so we'll, much. We'll spend Father's Day together and come up with some shit. How's that sound? Okay, when's Father's Day? Sunday. Ah. You, you don't have a few illegitimates running around? That's a different question. <laughs> a totally different question. Uh, uh, okay. Well, just before you wrap this all up, for those yeah. of you playing along at home, I know you are keenly... Uh, keenly interested in my horse racing stable that we've got going on but we do have uh, one of the ra- horse races uh, ho- running this weekend at Morphville Parks uh, name of trip race five number seven good odds it's uh, at about 10 bucks at the moment so worth it an each way shot I'd reckon likes to jump them out of the gate early it's drawn well here got toddy panel on board have a have a little looksy there and we can all enjoy that together. All right. So Will can get you off to a fine start to losing money in year 2020. So enjoy that one. Uh, Okay. On behalf of that guy over there in the Adelaide Hills and the warmer Adelaide Hills, it is getting warm. Spring is definitely in the air. That is Will Murden. What? Days are longer. Days are longer. This is the worst outro ever on behalf of myself (laughs) here down on the plains. Uh, Thanks for joining us and we will see you next time.